Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have an exciting guest talking all things women's health. Welcome, Meg Langston. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I ran into your page. I don't know when it was, but I remember seeing these like bright, informative graphics, and I'm like, ooh, I like this page. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, Meg, tell us a little bit more about you, where you're from, and what got you into the space. Yeah. So, um, I mean, really what where where my journey started was back in the day, and you and I were talking about social media n- not being a real thing in like 2016. So my story really started back in 2007. Um, in college around that time frame, I was just um, graduating high school, going into college and was always a competitive athlete, like soccer my whole life. Once I was done with soccer, I was like, I'm not playing anymore. You know, I'm going to just like live my life. And, you know, freshman year kind of put on that freshman 15 and was trying to figure out, okay, like what is health now? How do I define it? Since I've always been, you know, an athlete, I always played soccer. So, um, back, back in the, back in the old days, they didn't have social media as much. And so what you were looking at was, you know, magazines and books. And so that's where I got a lot of my information from. And when I was looking at the information that was described at the time, they were saying, Hey, health is, you know, eating, you know, a lot of salads and, you know, oatmeal. And also it looked like a really shredded body. Um, I, I, I don't still don't even know the name of the book, but I can remember it or she had like a bikini, she had short, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a pro athlete that I, I mean, at the time, cause I'm thinking of another blonde, short hair one. That's not Jamie Easton. It's not Jamie Easton. No, it's okay. not Jamie Easton, but it, it was somebody that looks similar to her, not Jamie Easton though. I've met her before. She actually did my makeup one time for a a photo shoot. She's like the sweetest person, but, um, so no, not her, but it kind of looked like her. And I, I, you know, I remember the tan body, she was holding a salad. She was really, really shredded. And I was like, okay, that's what health is. Health is like eating a lot of salads and, you know, having this body image that is health. So I was trying to figure out what health was and what I was defining unintentionally was this body image of like a super shredded body image. And so, you know, years later I developed, um, I had always struggled with a little bit of an eating disorder, um, but I really disorder, uh, s- struggled with, at the time then with disordered eating habits. And I think that they're two different things. Cause one, I was bulimic, kind of got through that. And then it was more, um, I can't eat these carrots. This is way too much, you know, sugar or like, I'm going to count out 12 almonds and make sure that's what I eat. And like, I'm not going to go to this wedding or I'm going to pre-eat at the wedding before I go to whatever. And, you know, I really struggled with just like the relationship with food. And then I would tell myself food is fuel. And that was the only thing I was repeating to myself instead of like 
Food is pleasure. Food is enjoyment. Food is date nights, celebrations, weddings. It was always mm-hmm. just this really un- an unhealthy balance. So as those those years kind of go through, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what this looks like, you know, my relationship with food, food and body image. I dabble in a lot of different sports, from marathons to triathlons. I did um, a, a bodybuilding competition as well. I did. Um, I got into CrossFit and I got into Olympic lifting and all these different sports pulled me in all these different directions with food, but it always came back to like, what is my body image? So at the end of it, I realized that throughout this time, I actually had lost my period. I was no longer having a menstrual cycle and I didn't even like, you know, totally think too much of it. I kind of liked it a little bit if I'm being like truly honest because I never had amazing periods, never like bad, but never amazing. And so I was like, this is kind of nice. And then I started reading a book um, called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. This is probably about like nine or 10 years ago. And it was um, just talking through the um, importance of your cycle. It talked through your basal body temperature and you know what that should be. So I started taking my basal body temperature. Um, and at this point of doing it, my cycle was irregular. So it wasn't completely absent. It was like sometimes gone, sometimes there. And my basal t- basal body temperature was really low. We'll talk through all this today. But that sparked a little like, you know, thought in my mind of, wait, why is my basal body temperature different than what they're telling me it should be? And, you know, as I'm trying to figure out my menstrual cycle, what does that mean? That led me to a ton of, you know, different doctors, starting with conventional um, and then going into a functional doctor once I wasn't getting more answers. And at the end of the day, I felt like people really just tested and gave medication or in the functional side, tested and gave supplements. And what mm-hmm. really it came down to was like my lifestyle, my stress, my food. There was definitely things going on within my body, but a lot of it was also missing within that, that food piece and that recovering piece of just like even working internally. So I decided to go back to school and now five and a half years later, I'm running my practice. I work with women all over the US and have you know used the menstrual cycle and different testing and food first approach to basically restore health. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, a very common story, unfortunately, that I see a lot of women struggle with, with over-exercising, dieting too hard, um, not understanding like proper nutrition, or maybe they hire like a bad trainer or coach and they have a horrible experience. And so they go down this rabbit hole of then struggling with having their menstrual cycle. Maybe they go to the doctor, the doctor says you can go on birth control or you cannot. And that's like end of story for them. And I think a lot of women don't realize um, how important it is to have a menstrual cycle. Even if you don't plan on having children, it is very important that you still have your menstrual cycle. It is your fifth vital sign. And I think it's just getting like dismissed, overlooked. And a lot of just menstrual issues in general, I feel like are just kind of pushed aside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it is I mean, it's still, it's so interesting because it is getting more light than it was, you know, eight or nine years ago. It's getting more like, um, because of social media, there's more presence of like, Hey, your menstrual cycle is the sign of fertility is a sign of health. Like you said, it is truly a vital sign. Um, but you know, then there's still, you know, commercials and jokes and TV shows that mock 
that every woman has a bad period and that's just normal. Or like, I'm on my period and I'm bloated and they're taking pictures. Like it's normal. Like everyone gets bloated, you know, you know, different times of your cycle. Like these are not normal cycle or um, symptoms and reactions of our body. Our body talks back in symptoms and we have the power as women to understand our cycles and be able to articulate what's going on. Even if we don't know how to fix it, when we have a good understanding of what is going on in our cycle, we can actually say, okay, I'm actually not ovulating. My cycle is really, really long. My cycle is really, really short. I have cervical mucus all throughout my cycle. And when you're able to articulate this to the right person, then they are able to say, oh, okay, here's what's going on. And here's how we help you. And it often is that your cycle comes with a cluster of symptoms that you didn't even realize was connected. Like chronic high um, headaches or migraines, constipation, weird period poops, IBS, um, uh, you know, things like eczema, things like, um, uh, skin rashes, acne, all of these things, actually your cycle can start to pinpoint of where things are going off, whether that's low basal body temperature, which can indicate thyroid issues, or whether that's, you know, extreme estrogen symptoms that can increase these histamine response, like headaches and migraines. Yeah. What would you say? So, let's go into like, what is a healthy cycle in the yeah, first place? And yeah, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. Let me start with explaining how the cycle works. I think most of us have maybe some understanding, but I think, you know, there's quite a few people that still don't even know the correct hormone cycle and that's fine. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I have a, a fix your period group coaching right now and we are walking through, you know, how to support your cycle and just basics foundations of your cycle. And I, the amount of women that are like, I never knew this. And I wish it was taught in sex ed. I'm like, totally. So if you're hearing this for the first time, no shame, but this is how your cycle works. So you, I like to, there's depending on what you, who you listen to, you'll hear it broken up in a couple of ways, but to first to keep it simple, I like to break it up into two categories, your follicular phase, the first half, your luteal phase, your last half, and it's broken up by ovulation. So, um, follicular phase, first half, luteal phase, last half. And what's happening in that follicular phase is your brain first signals to your, your body, your hormones, that it needs to start your ovaries, that it needs to start producing something called FSH. Many times when people struggle with infertility, they're starting to hear these words FSH. And so what FSH does is it slowly increases and the body starts building these follicles and the follicles then start to increase estrogen in your body. So during that first half of your cycle, estrogen is really dominant. It become, becomes more and more dominant. So FSH um, starts producing these follicles and these follicles then start to produce estrogen. And as estrogen um, begins to rise, it actually will uh, trigger something called LH which then tells your body it's uh, time to drop an egg and ovulate. And so we're ovulating one time during our cycle. What's happening as the brain tells the ovaries, it's time to signal FSH, the follicles then begin increasing estrogen. Well, during that time of estrogen increasing, you're also starting to produce cervical mucus at this time or like a discharge. Again, so many people are like, gosh, I wish I knew discharge was normal. Like I thought something was wrong with me. I kept that to myself. I was so embarrassed. Discharge or cervical mucus is, is actually what it's called is such an amazing, um, a really amazing thing that women produce 
It is a, a different, two different types of estrogens. There's EL mucus and ES mucus. It, uh, your, your cervical mucus may start out in these patterns with low estrogen. So as, as remember that follicle begins to rise, 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 rise till it gets to that LH surge. So as it's rising, it's making something called EL mucus. And that usually starts out in a normal cycle, very sticky, um, maybe like uh, creamy. Everyone has little different descriptions, but you can kind of put it between your fingers and it's not super stretchy, but it's more like a lotiony moist. And then as estrogen increases, it's called ES mucus. And that means you're approaching ovulation. That's when it becomes that cervical mucus becomes very lubricative. It's very slippery. Some people really notice it when they're walking. It just kind of comes out of them. Some people, while they're using a, uh, while they're doing a bowel movement and bear down, they notice um, that they, uh, some, sometimes it just kind of falls out of you. And uh, that's so important because what that awesome cervical mucus is doing is it actually has, um, uh, it actually will capture sperm and take sperm to where it needs to go. It feed serves, it, it sperm, it keeps sperm alive. I always make this joke. I'm like, so basically, just so you guys know, sperm shows up and then cervical mucus does the job. It's like, all right, come on, sperm. And it takes the sperm, feeds the sperm, keeps the sperm alive. So that that sign of cervical mucus is so crucial. And it also just, again, points like, you know, women get that job done. And then as that cervical mucus increases, the LH, the estrogen means it's really high. So that LH surge comes, the egg drops and it, um, and then it is, you know, you've ovulated. So now you've ovulated, you're in your second half of your cycle. You're in your luteal phase. If you're pregnant, your corpus luteum is, you know, starts to, um, you know, the, the makes it, make an embryo, the embryo then, you know, obviously goes on to, to making a baby and, you know, well, the corpus luteum actually becomes, you know, part of the placenta. But um, so that is basically that part is if you're pregnant, if you're not pregnant, then that follicles becomes into a corpus luteum and continues to produce progesterone for the second half of your cycle. So um, what progesterone does is it, uh, um, it will make this mucus called G mucus, and it should start to dry up your cycle. And so what you should notice is that there's, once you've ovulated, all that nice estrogenic mucus actually goes away with this progesterone mucus called G mucus, and you have dry days in your cycle. So the reason I'm telling you all these things and all these different hormones is because I want to be able to then simplify it. So we have our first half of your cycle, you have your menstrual cycle bleed, you have dry days, and then it slowly increases to estrogenic cervical mucus, you ovulate. And then another part of the healthy cycle is that your luteal phase, you have dry days, unless you're pregnant of no cervical mucus. These things are really important because it's going to indicate to you, if you're listening to, your, to this and you're like, I know when I ovulate and I'm in my luteal phase, my last test of my cycle before I get my period, I have so much cervical mucus. That's an indication of something going on, right? If I know that I have no cervical mucus in my in my body at all, that's a sign of, an, um, you know, that there's in, hormonal imbalances going on in the body. So, if to just recap this, when you're thinking about that first half of your cycle, you're thinking you're more estrogen dominant, estrogen dominant be, uh, begins to rise. And then interestingly enough, just because, you know, well, I'll wait to go there, but I will say, so this is your pre-ovulatory phase, right? It, the normal length is anywhere from 10 to 23 days, and it's an average of 15 days. 
When somebody says they have a long cycle, oh my gosh, my cycle's 41 days, my cycle's 42 days. It's actually in that follicular phase that they're having, um, you know, trouble ovulating. It's, it's showing, it's in that follicular phase that it's, you're, that is, that's longer. The, the, remember you switch to the, the luteal phase when it is, when you've actually ovulated. So a longer cycle means delayed ovulation. Your body continues to try to ovulate, but it doesn't for some reason feel safe enough. Why would your body not feel safe enough? It could be from under eating, over training. It could be from, um, you know, stress, stress. Alcohol. Yeah. So anything that can cause that, that body to. I talked about being able to kind of keep track of your thyroid hormone. So while how you're keeping track of this in general is by doing a keeping a thermometer it, in order to keep track of your uh, oral temps or and your th thyroid, you have to do oral temps. There's things like the Ava bracelet or the temp drop. You wear these. These can help you indicate um, ovulation and where you're at in your cycle, but it doesn't tell you the thyroid. So if you start to take your basal body temperature, which is like you wake up in the morning, you put the thermometer underneath your mouth, you get that, um, that, uh, basal body temp reading. It should say in your follicular phase, anything around 97, uh, 97.6 in your follicular phase. So anything below that, that's where your mind is starting to go, huh? That's interesting. Like, why is my, why is my temps low? What could be causing my temps low? Is it regularly low? Was I you know, things that can also make my temp slow. Was I sick? Was I, did I have alcohol that night? Did I travel? Those can impact your temperatures. And then, um, your, and just an interesting thought here, if you're like, how does that have to do with your thyroid back in the day, there's an amazing book called, um, uh, he's an endocrinologist, Dr. Barter Barnes. And he, uh, his book is the unsuspected, um, illness hypothyroidism. And he talks about how back in the day, endocrinologists actually used basal body temperature to adjust medication and to diagnose hypothyroidism. And so this is, you know, something that endocrinologists used to do way back in the day before blood panels. And sometimes it's even more, um, I would say effective because it's kind of touching base on how, um, well your thyroid is running, even if the bloods are not showing super sick yet, we may be seeing, Ooh, there's something still subclinical about that thyroid working optimally because a thyroid is a metabolic system, right? It heats up the body. So when it's low, then we're not that we're not heating up the body. So that's how that can happen. Mm -hmm. We tracking, am I going too much? No, you're doing good. Uh, so you said slow thyroid impacts, slow thyroid like Yep. Your basal body temperature that in your follicular phase, your first half, that's going to be 97.6. Then we get to ovulation, right? So we're finally at ovulation. Um, this is where you have your cervical mucus. Most women have like the best hair days, your skin days. They always say like any, like, you know, hormone expert is like, get on, you know, the camera during your, you know, ovulation days, because that's where you feel usually the best. Your, your sex drive increases at this time. You know, your body's trying to reproduce. And also, you know, during this time, your body's prepping for that, uh, to, to make that progesterone, right? So it's, it's making that corporeus luteum, luteum. So then you go into your, you've got, you ovulated successfully. And as we may have heard this before, not every woman ovulates on cycle day 14, but in that range of the middle of the cycle, still going to be a healthy, um, a healthy, uh, timeframe. So this is where once you've, if you're taking your temperature, you'll see that there's a spike in your temperature and the cervical mucus should dry up. And that's how you know that you have 
uh, then approached ovulation, or I'm sorry, the luteal phase, your post-ovulatory phase, your luteal phase, the last half of your cycle. You're in your luteal phase, progesterone is high at this point, you've got that G mucus, so you should be dry, and you are, your temp should be around 98.4, 98.6. Um, you want it, that range to be there again, um, that thyroid is your controls, your metabolic system. So it's going to control that heat. And, um, and then as the hormones, the last half of your luteal phase, your hormones begin to drop. And, and then that when hormones go lower, that signals the FSH to start a new cycle. So, um, that is what a healthy cycle looks like. That's the details of how your hormones work, your cervical mucus pattern, your period bleeds. That's, that's how it should happen. It should happen really smoothly. You notice I didn't say any symptoms. I didn't say any, um, there should be no spotting. I didn't get to touch too much on the period bleed, but that follicular phase has that period bleed. I personally think it should be between four to seven days. Some people will say three to seven days. I find that most women have less symptoms when they're bleeding from four days. And this is something to do with iron overload that would probably do better in a different conversation. Um, but bleeding, making sure that we're recycling our iron and everything like that. Um, so anywhere from four to seven days, if you're psych, if you're bleeding at three days and you feel great, then more power to you. But really we want to make sure that there's the period bleed comes on strong and then tapers off from there. There's no spotting. Um, there is no, uh, period bleed. It stops period bleeds. Again, there's no bleeding throughout the cycle. You have your period bleed three to set, you know, four to seven days, I would say dry days, cervical mucus, dry days, period bleed again. So none of these again, no, I didn't describe any symptoms. I didn't describe any headaches, bloating, digestive issues. This is what a healthy cycle looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing I want to touch upon too. So you've talked about how the body goes through ovulation, but I think a lot of women get confused if they're on birth control and they think that they're ovulating at the same how would you lightly describe to someone if that's taking birth control that they're not really having a period? Yeah. So something like the pill is actually going to suppress ovulation. The only way to get a period bleed is to have the uh, as to ovulate, to create that corpus luteum, have to have those hormones go back down to have that signal of the FSH. So if we are not ovulating, we are not having a true period bleed. What we're having is a pill bleed. And the, just a quick story of the background. There's so many wonderful books of like the history of birth control, if you're interested to hear more, but essentially it was actually first designed for men. Men felt so uncomfortable with it. They gave it to women. Women then were starting to take it, felt uncomfortable. They didn't have a period bleed. It felt very natural, unnatural to them. So that's when they came in with the sugar pill and allowed the body to have a pill bleed, but it is not a true period because the only way you can have a true period again is to make sure you are ovulating and ovulation mm -hmm. brings out a true period. Yeah. And it makes sense too. I mean, when it comes to birth control, you're trying to prevent pregnancy. So how do we do that? We don't ovulate. So, and that's really the only time you can get pregnant is when you're ovulating. Of course, you know, sperm can live in the body for a couple of days. I think it's up to five days. Yeah. Um, five but days. That's something too. Like, it's so sad that I was like 21 and I learned that you can get pregnant each and every single day. Like, I feel like the education in terms of, um, fertility and health is like so poor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's so, 
empowering to know your cycle, because if you know that you only ovulate one day, you're psych, you're fertile for really just a, a short, you know, five to seven days in your, in your, um, your cycle, your whole month long. I mean, that's, you know, that's that if we're taking birth control because we're afraid to get pregnant, but if we have the power of our cycle, you know, knowledge of when we ovulate, then we don't have to take something that's going to really deplete us. Birth control depletes us of so many nutrients. There is a doctor that actually described birth control to being on antibiotics. And some of us are on birth control anywhere from, you know, seven, Um, 10 years. Yeah. mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a long time and we're depleting ourselves. One, we're depleting ourselves of progesterone, which is probably the most powerful hormone for females. Progesterone is the anti-stress hormone. It works synergistically with your thyroid. Um, it is, um, it it's, it's crucial for mental health. When women have low progesterone, they'll struggle with, um, anxiety. They'll struggle with, um, and fertility issues and things like that. So birth control is also going to plate minerals and vitamins that are crucial for digestion that are crucial for, um, uh, you know, converting other hormones in the body, um, for supporting, uh, the liver. So very, very, very important. If we can learn our cycle, you know, and use the knowledge of, you know, when to withstand sex and when not to, it's going to be powerful. And if you're using birth control, because you have really bad periods, like I have clients that come to me that are like, gosh, my periods are so painful or my periods are, um, you know, I have such bad acne, then, you know, that's symptom management. And we can actually use like our cycle to figure out what's going on. You know, why is yeah. it that you have really bad acne? Why is it that you have such bad period, you know? Yeah, I think it's important to dive deeper. I mean, I've even had clients who are approaching menopause and their OBGYN will put them on birth control and it doesn't make sense because it's like you're avoiding the inevitable, you know, eventually there will come a point where you won't be on birth control. Like you're, you can't just avoid this forever. So instead of just covering it up, like diving deeper on why that might be happening in the first place. And I think a lot of women, they struggle with, you know, maybe heavy, painful periods, when in reality, that could be a sign of like estrogen dominance, for example, or they first come off of the pill, and then they deal with heavy periods, and they think, forget this, I don't want to deal with this, and then they go back on the pill. But little do they know that their body has kind of been shut down for a while. So now it's almost in like an overdrive state. So then they're dealing with these poor symptoms, or I should say side effects. Yeah. If you, you need 20 times more progesterone to oppose estrogen, to keep um, estrogen in balance. So if you're not ovulating, if you're not creating that progesterone, then you are going to be more estrogen dominant. You're not creating that progesterone. So let's give a real, now that we know the details of the cycle and uh, and what a healthy cycle looks like, I'll go quickly through an unhealthy cycle. So an unhealthy cycle would come on with a period bleed in that follicular phase, that first half, it would come on spotting. It would come the period would come for a couple of days, then disappear, then come again. Um, those are all signs of um, either low, per, it, it, you have to put the whole cycle together, but those are signs of in, unhealthy cycle. So they're either going to be low progesterone or um, high estrogen. Um, uh, your period should never come with headaches. It should never come with bloating. It should never come with migraine issues. Like I said, um, when there's estrogen dominance in the body, estrogen and histamine actually work together. So as estrogen increases, histamine increases. So, uh, and vice versa, hit more histamine, more estrogen. So we have these symptoms 
and that we often see as estrogen rises. And it's important to understand that as the FSH goes and as estrogen dominance rises, that's why I went through that because you want to understand when estrogen rises. So many women, so many times we're talking about our period, but many women suffer from crazy ovulation symptoms, PMS during ovulation, painful um, ovulation, um, just, you know, really moody, all these things. Well, what did, when did we say estrogen was the highest? right at the ovulation. So that that's giving us a hint. Ah, okay. Well, we need to make sure that we are then supporting our, um, ovul our, our, our estrogen and we need to figure out how to, why is estrogen high in the body, which we can go into in a second. And then that luteal phase should come and go with dry mucus. Like you're, if you have cervical mucus throughout your luteal phase, it's a sign of low progesterone. What was that progesterone we talked about? It was that G mucus, that progesterone. So if you're not having enough of the G mucus, that means you don't have enough progesterone. That's an issue, right? And same thing. If it's, um, you have to have a certain amount of your luteal phase should be a certain, uh, should be anywhere from 12 to 16 days. If it gets closer to 10, nine, eight, if your luteal phase is short, you have short cycles, you feel like I'm always constantly bleeding. That's a sign of low progesterone. You should be making enough progesterone to kind of have that mucus plug to, to keep that, um, cervix nice and, you know, I guess plugged for a second so that you have enough time for that corpus luteum, um, because that corpus luteum ideally is getting strong enough to, you know, to, 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 to make a healthy environment for the baby. Um, but then the hormones should drop and that's when you should bleed. But if you are having a short cycle, that means, Ooh, you actually don't have enough, um, cervical, um, you don't have enough progesterone. So that is what an unhealthy cycle looks like. It should never come with symptoms at all during your molecular, your bleed should come on nice and normal. You should not have headaches. You should have not migraines. You should not have weird period poops, estrogen dominance. You shouldn't have anxiety. You shouldn't have mood swings. Um, all of these things can be easily supported by your body. And it is your body screaming that it just needs love and support, not a bandaid. Because when you put that bandaid on, as you heard, you're going to have repercussions later on because that progesterone hormone works so um, synergistically with the thyroid. You know, you need so much of those vitamins and minerals. And then also the body works together as a whole. So if you are shutting down one area, then it's going to come back in a different area. The body's going to be like, hey, I'm trying to tell you that there's something wrong with me. Stop giving me all these different pills, fix the systems of the body. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I was going to ask too, is like extremely heavy periods. You would say that would be abnormal too. Oh yeah. Extremely heavy periods, clotting, incredibly abnormal periods. Some people, you know, a, a big sign of hypothyroidism is when people are bleeding for, you know, 14, 60 days, things like that. You know, you're, you're wanting to get your thyroid tested and you're wanting to really fight for a full thyroid panel or a, uh, somebody that's going to look within the appropriate ranges of your thyroid. Look at your basal body temperature. Are you having really heavy clotty, you know, long period bleeds and your basal body temperatures are low. What's that indicate? Yeah. That? A little bit of a different perspective too. not saying that these women are lying or anything, but I kind of feel like we've been conditioned to, to like have a lot of these symptoms. So like I even see women on the pill where they say like all these PMS like symptoms yet we already discussed they're not ovulating. So it's very interesting or, you know, someone starts tracking their cycles and I feel like they're like, Oh, the cravings are the hunger or this or that. And I almost feel like we can talk ourselves into it when it's not there in the first place, or maybe our diet is just like missing some key components to help support our body. But that's been something I've found really interesting, especially again, my clients that are on birth control and they say they're going yeah. through like PMS symptoms. 
Yeah. Well, often what I look then is, is blood sugar management. Like, do you have enough protein in your body? Um, and again, progesterone is the, is the calming hormone. So like, is it that you just really are low in progesterone? So you're having these, these types of symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's there, the body's always talking back in symptoms. Yeah. A lot of women seem to be low in progesterone more than ever when I've seen lab work. Would you agree? Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I would say that, you know, in my opinion, especially coming from like looking at iron panels and the iron recycling system, I almost never see women our age really. And I would say, I'm sorry, not that you can see me, but my, you know, anywhere from like, (laughs) uh, uh, pre-menopausal women. So anywhere from like, you know, twenties to, you know, 41, 42, 43, like anywhere from that age, I would say that it is very hard to be low in estrogen. And even then I would still be stressing, can you be low in estrogen? You know, what are the, are, are we actually testing estrogens being stuck in the tissues? Estrogen's a really interesting, um, uh, hormone because it is, it works as an antioxidant. So if there is inflammation within the tissues, estrogen is going to go there and it can be stuck in the tissue. So you can do something like a Dutch test shows low estrogen, but you're not actually low. Maybe you're low estrogen, but it's actually that you need to be supporting estrogen recycling, not recycling, but moving appropriately in the body. You have to actually eliminate the stressors and help the estrogen move. So rather than doing things that to increase the estrogen, that maybe that's not appropriate. Maybe it's actually getting rid of the inflammation. So estrogen moves from the tissue back circulation, which is one of the reasons why I don't use um, Dutch testing in my, in my, um, in my practices, because I, I think that it can be helpful, but it doesn't always give the full picture. Yeah, definitely. I feel like from what I've seen, progesterone seems to be so low for like women that are just extremely stressed out. I see horrible sleep cycles. I see too much alcohol consumption. Um, maybe there's even a fear of carbohydrates, a fear of fats. So they're eating this diet that is like extremely high in protein, really poor sleep, really stressed out. Um, mm. I, I feel a little woo woo, but I feel like a lot of women more than ever are taking on a lot of masculine roles too. Mm-hmm. And they're not giving their body a, enough time to recharge, which is like causing a lot of disturbances in our cycles in general, because we don't really get to ever turn off, especially yeah. with the work from home technology. And then you add on kids, like there's just a lot on, on their plate. Oh, absolutely. I think one of my biggest things for my heart is for women to really value a day of rest and, and just family units in general is to really, to, to be, um, counter-cultural and make sure that we're spending time in, in rest and in Sabbath and in times of just being able to reset. I mean, like you said, now more than ever, our families, our kids are going at a pace of life that, that is just not meant to be like, we're, we're staying indoors or we're going to activities we're in cars, but we're not playing outside. We're not getting bored anymore. And there is mm-hmm. a place for even adulthood to, to be bored is actually healing. It allows you to process. It allows your nervous system to calm back down, allows you to have healthy cycles. So all of these things are, are crucial. And I would a hundred percent agree that, you know, one of the bigger things that I know that personally, what we did in our family was once we found, like, I started getting a little bit more symptomatic, you know, my husband was kind of going crazy and we're like, we need to reevaluate and really start to put structure in 
um, our family unit of like expectations of we as Langston's, we take a family day of rest. And what that looks like is, you know, no TVs, no screens playing outside and, you know, having the expectation talk of like, what do you like? What brings you rest? What brings me rest? And then meeting in the middle. And so I would say like, if you're trying to figure out where to start within your cycle and you're like, I don't even know where to start. Like, you know, make, you know, making sure of course you're eating enough and getting that food part down is going to be good. But also before you spend a lot of money, also make sure you're, you're scheduling in that day of rest and fun and you're not going from activity. It's okay to say, no, you're not setting up your, you're actually probably doing more benefit for your family um, and your kids. If they're bored, you know, allowing them mm-hmm. to look at whatever the, I'm like, do kids even look at the clouds anymore and make different shapes out of them? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I don't really ever see kids playing outside too often, which is like kind of no sad. No bikes scattered anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite thing as a kid to yeah. jump on the trampoline and play outside. I even joked to my husband. I was like, I want a trampoline. Like <laughs> I would still go on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Dirty feet and all that. Just like playing and, and having fun. And I think um, a lot of people just have a hard time unplugging and doing that, but you are right. I mean, if you are, you know, if this podcast in particular is resonating, resonating with you, it is expensive to get lab work done. It's expensive to do things like a Dutch test. And so there are free ways that you can support your body, support your hormonal health, um, even just simple dietary changes that aren't going to cost a whole, a whole lot of money. That's a great way to, to like get started without, you know, spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, it's so underrated and it's probably the most difficult thing because you're fighting against, you know, your hidden fears of finances, you're keeping up with the Joneses. Am I failing my kids or, you know, am I, do I, am I okay to be alone by myself? If you're not married with kids, like, am I okay to be by myself? You know, and you know, I think that there's a lot of internal work that if you really have a hard time, I was actually just talking with a client who told me her body physically doesn't feel good when she sits and rests. And mm-hmm. she's like, I just have to do the laundry. I have to do something. She's like, I don't, my, I can feel my body shake. And I'm like, that's called adrenaline. You're running on adrenaline. You have nothing else. The next step is complete burnout. You've got to slow mm-hmm. down now before you, before you, you know, before you go into complete burnout and just can't do anything and you're numb and you don't know what makes you have fun anymore. And you don't know what brings you joy anymore. And you're just, you know, not living life to the fullest. Yeah. I mean, I'm super, super guilty of this myself. Uh, My clients know I'm a workaholic. I very rarely take time off, take vacations. And even just this month, I was like, I've had it. We're going on a vacation. It's going to be just a couple of days. But I'm like, I just need a few days because I started to notice higher anxiety, higher heart rate. I felt guilty for not being productive. I noticed sleep issues. I noticed changes in my cycle where it was going super long and then super short and then super long. And I was like, there's just something going on here. And it really came down to, I had to take a step back and realize I can't just keep going full speed ahead and expect nothing to happen. Like your body's smart. It will send you signs. But I think a lot of people they've normalized their abnormal signs that they don't realize that there's dysfunction in the first place. And I think what's important, what you said is you're a health health coach yourself. And I am, you know, also a nutritional therapist. Like you are never going to have health perfect. It just isn't inevitable. Like, right. Like we're going to have trials and tribulations, or we're going to be like, man, I I just started my business or my business is doing really well. I want to be able to get to this point. So there's always going to be the wrestle of life. 
And, you know, that is always going to show up in your body and symptoms. The point is, is that you act within your symptoms, which is what you said, right? Like I knew I had something's got to give, I need to make that change. So I think it's that you never achieve like perfect health. And that's not what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is listen to the symptoms within your body and be able to respond appropriately to that. Is it that, you know what? I'm actually doing really well with rest. I actually do really well within my family unit and I do really well, you know, plugging away from food. I get outside at least an hour a day. But you know what? I actually just don't eat at enough. Like I know that I don't eat a lot of protein. I do a lot of like smoothies and, you know, powdered forms, but I'm not getting enough protein in, in general. So like, that's where I need to go. So the point is, is that you're learning what your body, what symptoms your body is saying to you. And that will always show up in your cycle. And then kind of going through like a checklist, like what, what I show my clients is a checklist of like, you know, where you're at in your menstrual cycle, what's it saying? And then, so they learn the foundations of the cycle and then it's, you know, what's my sex drive? Is it high? Is it low? Is it non-existent? What's my sleep? What's my energy? What's my skin? And then going through the checklist. Okay. Ah, okay. Not sleeping. Ah, okay. Not enough food. Ah, okay. You know, I'm prioritizing work and staying up late at night. And then once you understand those little cues, you don't have to spend all these money, this much money on testing, you know, you just, you adjust and, um, and nobody has it perfect. You just have to keep being able to make the the appropriate steps, um, and, and understand what those appropriate steps are. Yeah. It kind of makes me laugh. Cause I feel like I have my clients like fill out all this information. They're like, Oh my gosh, this is information overload. But I'm like the details matter. You know, like yeah, absolutely. I get, I get some of my clients, you might want to lose weight and you might think all, oh, all you need is my weight. Right. No, like, it's not just about that. Like there's so much to health that if we were to only look at like one or two variables, like we're going to be missing the point. Yeah, totally. It, yeah. There's so much there's, and it, but it, but it's not that com- like, there's so many things yet, yet it's not that complicated. Cause you always have to do the foundation. So you always got to take a step back. You always got to be eating enough. Um, you know, like you said. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a random question, Meg. Okay. <laughs> what is with your carrot salad? Oh, that's a good question. So it's not my carrot salad. It's actually Dr. Ray Pete's. Um, he's the one that first came up with it, but the raw carrot salad is really great. It's unique in the fact that carrots have a really good um, fiber to them that help with um, any excess estrogen. So they will help bind to estrogen in the body and endotoxins and things like that and help you poop them out. Um, the raw <laughs> carrot salad has obviously carrots in it, but it also has uh, things like apple cider vinegar in there, which is uh, really great for antimicrobial support and salt, which is really good for, um, you know, your sodium. So your obviously your sodium, but your um, hydration is where I was trying to go with that. Um, and, you know, just mineral balance in general, adrenals are really huge for sodium, um, blood sugar. So I'm sorry, blood pressure. Um, so it has that in there. And then you use like an oil to kind of help mix it together. Um, and uh, it's a really powerful um, hormone support that I do often with clients. Yeah. I always see it. So I had to hear, <laughs> I had to hear more about the carrot salad. Yes. Yeah. If you're, st- if you're really struggling with like heavy periods and like estrogen dominant symptoms, it's just a really easy way to start. Yeah, definitely. Meg, what is your favorite thing about helping women like with their cycles and their internal health? Um, I think, oh gosh, uh, say one, Try, can I say two? Yeah, <laughs> I would say, say two. This, this, the first one would probably be like, just to their knowledge. Like I said, it's not in, in, at least in my practice, right? Like I'm not trying to, 
I, what I'm really, I'm trying to get you to feel better. I want you to feel better. I want you to leave feeling the best you've ever felt, but more than that, I want you to feel really equipped to be able to, as life throws you, you're like, Ooh, I know what liver support I need. I know what this means. And so the power that they feel of like being able to articulate what's going on in their body and have their own tools to do that feels really good because it took me such a long time to like understand that myself and now be able to teach it. It's like, this is so cool. Like, look at, look at what, look what's happened. Like, this is really fun and unique. And like, it's a empowering, not only for my own self, but to see other clients, like really be able to like have these tools and then use it within their family and their community. And then the second part is I truly, I, I genuinely mean this when I say it, I love that because I do truly some, sp spend so much time and like lifestyle part of it, love to see the relationships that kind of just start to feel better. Like you become intimate. I know you do too with your clients. And so to hear like, oh my gosh, we went on a date night and like, we went on a date night and also was able to eat the food or like, oh, you know, I feel like I was actually able to be the mom that I wanted to be because like you have enough progesterone. So like you're chill, you're calm when your four-year-old's acting out, like to see the relationships start to feel like start to mend in their own lives and like they, they're the person they want to be. They respond the way they want to be. And that they really worked on like slowing down, putting in family structures. And I, again, I work with a lot of moms. So that's why I keep saying family structures. It, it feels really good. Cause I'm like, man, this is like moving. Like we're, we're doing this together. Like we are, we are, we are making moves as a culture. And that feels really good to me. You know, that it's very anti-cultural. It's very anti-hustle, go. Like you said, masculine energy, like ignore your problems. Like, yeah, it's funny to have bloating and PMS. Like women are crazy. It's like, no, screw that. Like we are powerful. We learn our tools and also we enjoy our life and we're present. And that feels like, it makes me, you know, excited. I love it. Yeah. It's kind of like taking, like giving people's power back basically. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. I do appreciate having you on the pod today. Can you go ahead and drop where people can get more connected with you if they're wanting to learn more? Yeah. So Instagram is just Meg underscore Langston, L-A-N-G-S-T-O-N, Meg underscore Langston. That's probably where I do most of my work, um, you know, sharing more information. I do a lot on my email list. So you can always just hop over to my Instagram and sign up on my email list. I take one-on-one -on -one clients where we do lots of different testing from stool analysis to mineral analysis and blood chemistry. So you could work one-on-one -on -one with me if you wanted to do that. And then I do a fix your period group um, that just launched for the first time in April. And so it will, it's very successful, which is so fun to see. And so I'll be relaunching it in August. So those are the ways, all different price points. And I've, I've, I have different guides and all these things that you can check out on my page to learn more. So that's it. So thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And for everyone listening, I'm going to leave Meg's information down below in the description.
Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode. Thank you.